you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. ...into the word of the Lord tonight, and um, I'm honored to have the opportunity to speak to you on this Wednesday night and um, be able to talk to you. We have been uh, in a doctrinal series during the time... Uh, that we have also had marriage enrichment happening. Uh, We have continued in a doctrinal class teaching some of the basic doctrines of the church and answering some of the very important questions that people often have uh, regarding uh, some of the things that we believe. And so we're going to try to answer some of those questions tonight and help you Um, with your understanding um, some of you this may seem to be a bit uh, old hat and for others it may uh, be something very fresh but regardless uh, I want to sharpen those of you who feel like well I've heard these teachings many times uh, I want to sharpen you tonight to where you will be more quickly readily available I welcome you to take notes Tonight I'm going to use a lot of scripture and uh, I'm going to work Sister Shauna hard back there in the back tonight and uh, she's stretching her fingers out now as we're going to bring a lot of scripture to you tonight. So uh, if you're settled in, feel free to be seated. God bless you. Before I start into my Bible study tonight, why don't we have a word of prayer and just ask the Lord to help us in our lesson tonight. God, we come asking you that you would send your help, your strength to us tonight as we get into your word. I pray your blessings over this congregation tonight. I pray, God, that you bless your word as it goes forth. Let it settle into our hearts deeply. Lord, that we would be rooted and grounded and always abounding in the work of the Lord. And we pray your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to deal with with a question tonight that... um, some may feel that it is rather um, rather so basic that it shoots below you. Others may feel like that um, I'm answering some very important questions for you tonight. So whichever it be, uh, I pray that I help you with the scripture tonight. We're going to tackle a subject on what does the Bible say about speaking with other tongues. What does the Bible say about speaking with other tongues? There are a lot of opinions on speaking with tongues. That, uh, of course, you don't have to get around too many people in the world until you'll see uh, a lot of varied opinions on speaking with tongues. 
So tonight we're going to, to look into what the Bible says about speaking with tongues. And I, I hope by the time we're done tonight that if you have been skeptical of the idea of speaking with tongues, by the, by the time we leave tonight, that it's going to be crystal clear in your mind that the Bible teaches emphatically that speaking with other tongues is a gift from God. It is the initial sign of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It is for the edification of the body, which means the building up or the uplifting of the body of Christ. That's why that we should speak with tongues more than one time in our life. And uh, so we are lifted up in our most holy faith when we begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. So as we begin tonight, first of all, let's talk about some terminology. Um, it's, it's very well known uh, that in the New Testament, that the New Testament terminology varies. In other words, one author, uh, one author in the scripture may prefer to use one specific word while uh, another author uses a completely different term regarding the same idea. All right, does that make sense? So, in other words, the author of one big book uses one word and an author of another book may speak of the same experience, but he uses different phrases in order to express the same idea. So, in other words, being born of the Spirit. Everybody say born of the Spirit. Being born of the Spirit is no different than being filled with the Spirit. All right? So being born of the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit or being baptized with the Spirit. You know, it's different. Being baptized with the Spirit is different from water baptism. Water baptism is where we bury somebody in water. That's where we baptize somebody. It is... It is uh, it is a literal, physical baptism of water. Baptism of the Spirit is when the Spirit of God does exactly to you what physical baptism does. In other words, you are immersed with the Spirit of God or you are overcome with the Spirit of God. So if we, when we're reading through the Scripture, if we find the Scripture says someone was born of the Spirit or somebody was filled with the Spirit or somebody was baptized with the Spirit, it's just different ways of speaking about the same identical work of the Spirit. So I hear people sometimes, I often uh, hear people in the world say that they are a Spirit-filled Christian. And usually what they mean when they talk about being a Spirit-filled Christian is they mean that one time they believed on the Lord and they had some sort of emotional experience in which they felt that was uh, per perhaps uh, a, a spirit uh, rebirth because they were emotional about their believing. And uh, the truth is, is often that does not mean that someone has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is more than just an emotional experience. Most of the time, not all of the time, I've seen people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speak with other tongues, and show very little emotion. 
That's very rare. Usually, when somebody is filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there will be emotions that are shown with that. Some may cry, some may rejoice, some may laugh, some may clap, some may shout. Uh, different experiences uh, when the Holy Spirit comes into a life. Now, we will see by the time we are done tonight that the Bible speaks of no true Christian life without the Holy Ghost baptism. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, according to Romans 8 and 9, he does not belong to Christ. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. If you can put that on the screen for us. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh. So this is not talking about flesh and blood. All right? Everybody with me? This is not speaking of flesh and blood. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Meaning he does not belong to Christ. So it is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that regenerates us or, if, watch this term now, it is the, it is the indwelling of the, Holy, of the Holy Ghost that regenerates us or causes a rebirth in us. So that is where we get the, the new birth experience. It is the infilling of the Holy Ghost that brings about a complete change. In other words, the person I was, I repented of. I got over it. I was buried in water baptism. I put that old life behind me. And when I came out of the water, when I was filled with the Spirit, overcome, baptized in the Spirit, different from water baptism, when I was baptized with the Spirit, I am now a new creature. Old things, the Scripture said, are passed away. In other words, I'm not going back thinking the same way I thought, talking the same way that I talk, doing the same thing I did, going to the same places I went, because everything in my life is now brand new. All right, so let's look at Titus chapter 3, verse number 5. So it's the indwelling of the Holy Ghost that regenerates us and causes rebirth in us. Now Titus chapter 3, verse number 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. All right? So not by works of righteousness. The word righteousness means good things that you've done. So it was a good thing that we did in the building of this building. In participating, in, in showing up to church. A good work of righteousness. Um, let's talk about some of the works of righteousness here. Uh, to go and to help the hurricane victims, that's a good work of righteousness. Uh, to see somebody in need and help them, that's a good work of righteousness. But Brother David, that is not salvation. That work of righteousness will not save you. It's a good thing to do. It's right living. The word righteous means to live right or right living. So it's a right way to live. It's righteousness. But righteousness in of itself will not save you. Watch this now. You cannot be saved without righteousness. But righteousness in of itself will not save you. 
there must be a re regeneration of the spirit or a new birth experience that happens within you. Titus chapter 3, verse number 5. Not the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So let's look at what Jesus told Nicodemus. He says to Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Let's look at John chapter 3 and let's begin with verse number 1. And those of you who are taking notes, hopefully I'm going slow enough for you to write these down so you can go back and read through them. John chapter 3 verse number 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a great teacher sent from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So Nicodemus didn't even understand that he was God. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see, can't even view it, the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is, he's confused. First, he didn't even know that he was talking to God. He just thought he was a teacher sent from God. Now he's confused because Jesus tells him, except you be born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. And here is a grown man looking at Jesus saying, how can a man be born when he's old? That's logical. That's reasonable, a reasonable question to ask. How can a man be reborn when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Of course we know that question. There's impossible for a man to have a physical rebirth. But Jesus answered, Verily, verily, verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. It's not just good enough to be born of water. You must also be born of the Spirit. If you're only born of water, it is a partial birth. You have not yet been completely born. Except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In other words, you cannot get to heaven. So a lot of people say, oh, pastor, you're casting judgment, and you're saying who can get to heaven and who can't. No, the Bible tells me right here that except I have been born again of the water and the spirit, I can't even see heaven, and I certainly can't enter into the kingdom of God. So it is a prerequisite of salvation. Full salvation will include water and spirit baptism so being baptized of water is good but you also must be baptized with the spirit all right let's move along in our study now 
what is, what is the evidence of the Holy Ghost? I gave you the answer right off the start, but I want to prove it with Scripture as I go through tonight. What is the evidence? Everybody say the word evidence. You know what evidence is? It's the facts, right? It's the facts. When you're dealing, you know, when those of you who have more than one child, um, you understand when, when the kids come to you, they always only tell their side of the story. It, not much changes when they get older either. It's like they tell their side of the story, and so you listen, and then you say, well, okay, good. You, you, go, you go into your room, and you do whatever you, you know, and, and so now I'm going to listen to the other side of the story. And, and then we try to go find an unbiased person, and we try to get the truth. Because in every situation, they say, you know, in every story, there's his side, her side, and, and then there's the truth. So, evidence is the facts. Facts don't change. It is what it is. It is the facts. So, what is the initial evidence or the initial fact, without a doubt, that someone has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Now, there are unique experiences, and I'm going to talk about that tonight. But what is the initial evidence? What is a sign in the Scripture that we see over and again when someone received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there was a particular response that they always had. And you find nowhere in Scripture where there were any other sign that someone had been born again except they spoke with tongues. We're going to prove that in Scripture tonight. No one ever has the same exact experience as someone else. Not the exact same. People tell me about receiving the Holy Ghost. My mother received the Holy Ghost sitting in a car. She went to a pastor's home. He was at work. The pastor's wife came out into the driveway. My mother was sick. My dad, never been around apostolic Pentecostal faith in his lifetime, drove her there because it was her wish. They had spent all the money they had. She was at the point of death. He drove her there, drove her into the pastor's driveway pastor was at work, pastor's wife came out, opened the car door and began to pray for her right in the car. When he began to pray for her, not, when she began to pray for my mother, not only did my mother receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, she also received her complete healing sitting right in the car, drove home, healed, hadn't been able to eat for weeks had lost down below 90 pounds, was at the point of death. God miraculously healed her and filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What a unique experience. My dad tells the story of his experience. My dad's experience when he received the Holy Ghost, he said, I was at church and was getting ready to do what I had done the other visits. I got up and was planning to walk out the back door when they went to altar call. It was what they did back then. He stood, turned to walk out the door, and he said, I do not know what happened. Everybody else was turning the other way, and I ended up turning toward the altar instead of toward the door. I was too embarrassed to turn around and push back through the crowd to get outside, so I just walked on up to the front thinking, what am I doing? He said, when I got there, I cannot tell you what happened. But he said, the Holy Ghost swept over me. And in a matter of just a few minutes, he said, God miraculously filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What a great experience. 
Our late bishop used to tell a story of when he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said he was seeking, praying for the Holy Ghost as a, as a young child at nine years old. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He said, but just as the Holy Ghost began to come upon him, he said, I saw a light come out of heaven. And he said, I saw the light come into where I was. And he said, I felt the light literally come. And he said, it was as if it began to shine into my eyes. And he said, as that light came closer to me, the presence of God became near to me and I began to speak with other tongues. That is a unique experience and an incredible experience. But what all three of those experiences have in common is that all three of them spoke with other tongues when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. One was healed. One miraculously was filled with the Holy Ghost almost unintentional. And one sees a light out of heaven. Great stories of experience. When I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I was in a little small church in southeast Texas. We had altar benches back then. I was standing on the altar bench right about, in comparison in this room, would be right about right there. I was standing up on the altar bench because I was just a child. And they had me standing up, I guess, so I was tall enough for the adults didn't want to have to keep leaning over. Somehow, I have no idea how I got on the altar bench. None. Do not remember it. I got on the altar bench somehow. And they prayed for me, and it literally was, I, I never heard myself speak with tongues because my experience was perhaps as close to an experience like I, I can't really explain because I was so engulfed in my prayer that I lost all sense of consciousness in the room. I didn't know who was around me. I didn't know who was praying with me. I didn't know what anybody else was saying. I didn't even know what I was saying. There was a complete communication with heaven. And when I finished, people were shouting and rejoicing, and my parents were crying. And, I, and my dad said, son, do you know what just happened to you? And I looked at him and remember saying, I'm not sure. And he said, you just were speaking with other tongues for about 20 minutes. And then I knew, of course, what that meant, that I had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But had my dad not have shared with me the story and told me, for 20 minutes you were speaking with other tongues, but I was so engulfed in my communication with heaven that the whole world was tuned out. That was my experience. Some people, I spoke with tongues for 20 minutes when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I got no more of the Holy Ghost than someone who spoke with tongues for 10 seconds. You don't have to speak with tongues for 20 minutes, for 5 seconds. The issue is the scripture said that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you will speak with other tongues. All right, let's move along. No, nobody has the same exact experience. There are many different experiences, but the same sign. Let's look at Acts chapter 10, verse 43. To him, Acts 10, verse 43 through 48. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name. How? Talk back to me a little bit now. How did it happen? Through his name. Whosoever 
believeth. Everybody say believeth. In him shall receive remission of sins. Now, I don't have time tonight to get to take this into the full recourse. So you have to trust me a little. And I'll be glad if you have a question tonight, I'll be glad to spend some more time one-on-one -on -one with you to take you into Scripture to talk about this. But whosoever believeth shall have remission of sins. Now, we know through correlation of Scripture, studying the whole Word of God, that remission of sins only comes by baptism. Believing here is speaking of believing with an action. So what is the action with believing? If I tell you the roof is caving in because they did a bad job with construction. Anybody believe that? If you did, what would you do? You would run out the door. You would react. You would respond. So when people say, I believed on the Lord, and that's all that I had to do to be saved, what did your believing do? If you believe on him, you will be obedient to his word. That means I'm not looking for a way out of it when I believe on him. Believing is a great first step, but that is not salvation in and of itself. Nowhere in the scripture do I find where people were completely saved at the point of believing. Believing is the first step. But he that believeth, the scripture said, now I'm quoting a scripture, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says, Peter stood and began to speak to them and he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. So there's a thread through the scripture that said remission of sins comes by baptism, not only believing. So don't take this scripture out of context because the scripture says that whosoever believeth is receiving remission of sins because of their believing. True believing calls for a response that will lead you to, to be obedient to the Scripture. And obedience to the Scripture is baptism. Then comes remission of sins with baptism. Verse 44. Now Peter is preaching in this text of Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, what happened? The Holy Ghost fell on them, which heard the word wow so they believed they had remission of sins and Peter's preaching and the Holy Ghost fell on them who received the word so when they believed it the Holy Ghost swept into them while he's preaching verse 45 and they of the circumcision that means the Jews that's a particular nationality of people that did not mix because they did not integrate in that day and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. They were shocked. As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. The issue here is that they thought the Holy Ghost was only for the Jews. And so the Jews are shocked. I got a feeling that the revival that God has wanted to send this church is going to shock us. Because we think it's just going to be for one or two or people from a certain side of town or a certain group of people. Wrong. The Holy Ghost knows no color, no race, 
no nationality, no economic status, no background. The Holy Ghost is for, well, I feel it tonight. It's for whosoever will. In the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, all flesh, all flesh. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. So how did the Jews know that the Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost? Verse 46. Ready? Read it out loud with me now, real loud. I need to hear you all the way up here. For they, for they what? I, I can't. For they heard them speak with tongues. It's the only way they knew. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? So they received the Holy Ghost before they were baptized. I call that God's credit customers. I was one of them. I received the Holy Ghost as a child before I was baptized. I received the Holy Ghost on a Thursday night. Didn't get baptized until Sunday. I was one of God's credit customers. He knew my heart. I had repented. I was pure before the Lord. And he filled me as a child with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But the promise comes after baptism. So they heard them speak with tongues. Peter says, can any man forbid water that these should, be, should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Meaning, Peter's saying, they received the Holy Ghost the same way we did, as well as we. They heard them speak with tongues. That's how we got it too. They heard us speak with tongues. They received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, not in the titles of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Nobody in Scripture was ever baptized in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is one Scripture that confuses the ecumenical world. Jesus said, go ye and baptize into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The whole world misses that. He didn't say in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father is a title, not a name. Son is a title, not a name. He said baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. There is only one name, and the name is Jesus. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Baptism in the name opens you to the promise of the Holy Spirit. So he commanded them to be baptized in the name. So let's look at speaking in tongues in, in the New Testament. As you'll see shortly, I believe that tongues are valid and wonderful expression of the Holy Spirit's presence. As I examine the conversions in the New Testament, I find that speaking with tongues is an expression that is found all throughout the church, not just in this one experience. We find the word tongue or tongues with the idea of speaking with tongues used 27 times in the New Testament. So this wasn't just one time or two times that it happened. 27 times all connected with salvation. Speaking in tongues was no doubt a common practice in the New Testament church. Speaking with tongues is still 
a common practice in a Bible-believing, not somebody that's trying to move it and change it and make it something it's not because the world says, well, that's goofy, that's not popular, that doesn't fit into our society, doesn't matter. What the Bible says is what's, what matters. In a true Bible-believing church, people still speak with other tongues. So questions are asked me often. Can a person be a Christian without being baptized in the Spirit? Some of these questions can be very difficult to answer. And I'm going to do my, my best to answer them and maybe help you when people ask you that question. Do you believe that you have to have the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? I usually respond to them and tell, tell whomever may ask the question. I'm not the judge of who goes to heaven or who doesn't. I can tell you what the Bible says. And that's how that I answer that question. I'm not looking for a fight. As a matter of fact, I usually try to diffuse a fight. If somebody comes to me and just wants to argue, I do not have time for that. I move along. If they are hungry and they're looking for truth, I'll sit down and talk to them through the Bible and they will receive it. The moment I sense that someone is just looking for an argument, a fight, a debate, wanting to prove their point, I move along. Not because they don't need saved, it's because they aren't hungry and ready for salvation. The Spirit of God is not drawing them. They are looking for a fight. So I often answer this question when people say, can a person be a Christian without being baptized in the Spirit? Here's usually what I say. A, a person can be a believer. There's a lot of believers in the world. They are a believer. But there is a difference between being a believer and being filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you would like, I will be glad to take you to Scripture and show you the difference in believing on Christ and being born into Christ. Believing is one thing, being born again is another. So here's another way that I may answer this. People may say, can a person have an overwhelming experience that may lead them to a deeper walk with the Lord and not speak with tongues? The answer to that is yes. The scripture says that the Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth. That means there is dimension or there are dimensions of revelation or understanding. So when a person first begins to study the scripture, they may not have a complete understanding of scripture. And so they are obedient according to the level of their understanding. And so we have to be patient and know that some of us have been taught doctrine for a lifetime. We get it. We know it. We see it. Others may not have that same opportunity to hear it and know it and be taught it. I mean, I, it's shocking to me. When I went to Bible college, I was shocked at the number of students that sat in my class that were sent from apostolic churches that did not even know how to explain basic Bible doctrine. The reason, they had not been exposed to teaching. Maybe they had been in a, at a church that was all shout. I love the Sunday shout. That's wonderful. But let me tell you what's going to save you. Getting the Word of God into your heart. This is what's going to grow you. This is how you're going to develop. I'm feeding the, the sheep tonight. You are growing by learning the Word, having Scripture, reasoning together, and understanding. It is shocking at the number of people that don't understand. So I usually answer that. Of course people can believe on the Lord without speaking with other tongues. Believing on the Lord, having some sort of experience with God. 
People pray, they weep, they, they, I felt the presence of God, no doubt. You can feel the presence of God without being filled with the Spirit. Most of us, most of us, if I ask you tonight, how many of you, before you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, begin to feel the presence of God? Let me see your hand. If you felt the presence of God, see all over the room, you, you sensed, you knew the presence of God was there, and yet you had not yet received the Holy Ghost. When you are in the presence of God, if you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let me explain to you. When you feel the presence of God, you can receive the Holy Ghost right there because he's, he's with you. He's there and he's ready. So the issue is, is just yielding to what you're feeling and allowing him to fill you and to overflow you. And so uh, many people feel God, feel the presence of God, cry, shout, feel good. I, I talked to a, a man one time. I gave him several Bible studies in my home. And he came from another denomination, and, and, and he was pretty deeply indoctrinated. And as a matter of fact, he was a minister in another uh, denominational um, organization. And I spent some time with him, and I, I taught him Bible studies. And he, he had several questions, and we talked about things like eternal security, which is the doctrine of once saved, always saved. And so I taught two or three different uh, Bible studies to him on this until he absolutely went back to his denominational church and taught the Bible study to them and told them I no longer believe in eternal security he doesn't pastor there anymore so we talked about believing in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and so he told me he said well here's 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 my deal he said when I feel the presence of God I don't speak with tongues he said I just go woo I said that's wonderful that you feel and sense and know and recognize it as the presence of God but going, whoo, is just an emotional response. But when you begin to speak with other tongues, that is a heavenly language that God is pouring out upon you. Instead of going, whoo, you ought to yield yourself to the Lord and say, God, whatever it is, if you want to speak something through me, here I am, and allow it to flow out of you. So there are people who really feel the presence of God. They're sincere. They have a relationship with the scripture they have a relationship with God to the to the to the level of their knowledge and understanding and they have never spoken with other tongues it does not mean that they have been born again although many of them believe that that is the new birth experience because they felt the presence of God were baptized and believed so a person can even be changed through prayer do you understand this you don't have to have the Holy Ghost in order for God to heal you. This is why we as a church must be very careful to not get caught up too much in miracles, signs, and wonders because God's miracle working power comes through prayer and faith and believing. And you can, people who aren't right with God, don't even preach the right message, can be healed. They can have miracles happen under their ministry while they're preaching false doctrine or living like the devil. Yet God, God responds to his word and responds to sincere faith of people. And so people are healed. I've heard a lot of people say, well, they're not really getting healed. Not everybody, but some really are getting healed. Because God is no respecter of person and he is trying to reveal all truth. When you are sincere, his spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. They are on a journey getting to full truth. 
And so there is a lot of experiences. Don't discount that. Don't discredit people who tell you about their experience. Don't shut them down and say, no, 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 no. You, listen, if you've never spoken in tongues, I don't want to hear anything you got to say. You're probably never going to win them with that attitude. As a matter of fact, the attitude ought to be, tell me about it. Tell me about it. I've had that experience. That's great. Tell me more. And when they get there, you, then you can ask them, have you ever spoken with tongues? Well, no, I, I have You've never spoken with tongues? You, you should ask God and seek God to let you have that experience. Now understand, understand there is much more to the Holy Ghost than just speaking with other tongues. Don't want to get caught off guard here tonight with anybody. The Holy Ghost is more than speaking with other tongues, but speaking with tongues is the initial sign or evidence of the Holy Ghost. And speaking with other tongues is to lift you up or build your faith and confidence in God. And so that's what speaking with other tongues can do or does for you. So then the question comes, can a person be filled with the Holy Spirit without speaking with other tongues? Here is the way I answer that question. I will just say to them, you will not find in Scripture, or I cannot find in Scripture, where anyone was ever filled with the Spirit without them speaking with other tongues or someone who had, like Peter said, they received the Holy Ghost as did we, just as we did, which means they had received that same Holy Ghost was speaking with other tongues, was present and declared that they had received the Holy Ghost, meaning they knew that everybody who received the Holy Ghost spoke with tongues. So you'll find nowhere in Scripture where anyone was ever filled with the Holy Ghost without there being the presence of tongues. So people say, is, is speaking with tongues the necessary evidence of the Spirit's baptism that John the Baptist and Jesus spoke of? Let's look at that. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. Everybody okay out there? I don't want to bore you. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John answered, saying unto, unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, and the latches of whose shoes I'm unworthy to loose, he shall baptize you. How? With the Holy Ghost and with fire. Acts chapter 1, for John truly, verse 5, Acts 1 and 5, for John, John the Baptist, truly baptized with water, but ye shall be, what? Baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence, not many days from now. When they therefore came together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom? And he said unto them, it's not for you to know the time or the season which the Father hath put in his own power. Verse 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Let's look at Acts chapter 11, verse number 12 through verse 18. And the Spirit bade me to go with them, nothing doubting more Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house, and he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, send, me to jo send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words. Remember Peter? 
He's the one that preached the gospel message of being baptized and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, Peter's going to tell thee the words, wherewith thou and thy house shall be saved. Well, I don't care what Peter said. Acts chapter 11, the man who had an angel appear to him said an angel told him to do whatever Peter said because he's going to tell you how you and your house are going to be saved. So that gives some validity to Peter's words. And he began to speak. And as he began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Verse 15. How? As on us at the beginning. What was the beginning? Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter 2, what happened? They began to speak with other tongues. So in Acts 11, when the Holy Ghost fell, it fell upon them as it did at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the light gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What was I that I could not withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also unto the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. In the book of Acts, there are several instances where believers spoke in tongues and the Holy Ghost came upon them. I'm going to rush through. I'm going to, I'm going to hit this really quick, all right? Everybody okay? All right. On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse number 4. If you're taking notes, I just want you to be able to write these down. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. This is on the day of Pentecost. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. How? As the Spirit gave utterance. Let's look at Acts chapter 10. This is Cornelius' house. In Acts chapter 10, verses 45 through 48. And they of the circumcision, everybody say the Jews, which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Acts chapter 11, verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the light gift, as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could not withstand God? Acts chapter 19. This is at Ephesus. All right? This is many infallible proofs. This is what I'm doing right now. I'm giving you multiple scriptures, not one or two, but every place in scripture. I'm giving you multiple places where they spoke with tongues when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. At Ephesus, Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard where there be any Holy Ghost. We didn't even know about it. And he said unto them, Unto them, under what then were you baptized? They said, Under John's baptism. 
Paul said, all right, verily, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that you should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ. When they heard this, they were rebaptized. Oh, so if you've been baptized, but you have not been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's okay for you to be rebaptized. You should be rebaptized. If whoever baptized you baptized you wrong by saying in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, nowhere in Scripture was anybody ever baptized that way. Here they went back to water and were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, and when Paul laid his hands upon him, on them, the Holy Ghost came on, on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Every time, every time, every time. Now there's some instances instances where speaking with tongues is not mentioned but notice who was there people who had received the Holy Spirit baptism and who had spoken with tongues at Samaria is one of the instances watch Acts chapter 8 verse 14 now when the I'm asking you to help me when I pause like that all right verse verse 14 of Acts chapter 8 now when the Apostles, that's important. The reason I'm having you say apostles is because I want you to understand the apostles had already received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All right? So understand who was there. Now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus so they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus but he had not fallen upon any, upon any of them but Peter and John the apostles verse 17 then laid they their hands upon them and they received the Holy Ghost what is inferred there Although it does not say, and they spoke with tongues, it's inferred there that they did because it was two apostles that were there that had already received the Holy Ghost. Peter, over and again, received the Holy Ghost by evidence of speaking with other tongues, was there. So it is inferred that when they laid their hands on them, they spoke with other tongues when they received the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues as the initial sign of the Holy Ghost is a physical reaction to the Holy Spirit coming upon you. What we're seeing in each of these instances in the book of Acts is a human reaction to the Holy Spirit coming upon people. In the Old Testament, we see the Spirit come upon Moses and the elders and Saul and Saul's soldiers. And every time it did, it caused them to prophesy. But they did not receive the Holy Ghost, evidence of speaking in other tongues, because the Holy Ghost had not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let me break that down for you. The cross of Calvary had never happened. Jesus had never died, resurrected from the grave, ascended into glory, and sent the Holy Ghost back on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after it had not yet happened. That's why in the Old Testament they didn't speak with tongues. But when the Holy Spirit moved upon them, the same God, in other words, moved upon them. They prophesied, but they didn't speak with tongues. In the New Testament they spoke with tongues and many of them prophesied. So this is remarkably sim similar to what happened on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out powerfully and people's spontaneous reaction to the Holy Ghost was to speak words out loud.
So what does the scripture mean when it says, as the Spirit gives the utterance? In Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So in other words, the Spirit provides access to the thoughts and the minds and allows us to communicate our deepest thoughts and feelings to God himself. The best way I can explain it is that when someone is asking God to fill them with the Holy Ghost, you must remove distractions. You've got to get on location with God. That's through our prayer and our praise. We quit thinking about people. We quit thinking about the lights and the folks around us and the noise and how long I'm going to be here and going to Pizza Hut. Afterwards, you are on location with God. You and God, you are talking to God until the English language no longer will do the job. When what I have to say in my spirit is greater than the English language and when the English language runs out and I don't know what else to say and tears often are flowing and emotions are often there because I'm wanting to say more than what I have the ability to say. Out of your belly comes forth a language that is a heavenly language and you begin to speak words that you never learned in a language that only heaven. I can't understand you, but heaven understands you. When your language runs out, but I'm still wanting to communicate to God, the only thing I can do is begin to speak in a language that is not my own. It is the language of heaven that God understands. And it provides access between God and man. And I'm closing with this. That is the initial evidence. But there's also a continual evidence of the Holy Ghost. And I don't want to end this without talking about the continual evidence of the Holy Ghost. Because speaking with other tongues is the initial sign and evidence that you receive the Holy Ghost. And you will speak with tongues again to lift up your faith. And it lifts up the church. It edifies you. The scripture uses that word over and again. To edify or to lift you up. But then there is a continual evidence that the Holy Ghost is there. And the evidence that the Holy Ghost is in your life is that the fruit of the Spirit will be manifest in your life. In other words, it will be evident because of the, the fruit of the Spirit that is evident in your life. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh because those things don't come without you having to destroy the flesh. Well, that's not me. That's not my personality. That's what the scripture's talking about. That's what we repent of. We die out to that old person that didn't want to do that, that wanted to fight and cuss and, and, and get up in somebody's face. We die out to that man. And instead, we get that man under control. So then we've crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. Because if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That then when we're walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meek, meekness, and temperance will all be part of our life. And the Holy Ghost will also give us power. It will empower us. I like to use that word. The Holy Ghost will empower us. And what it does, it gives us the ability to live in this sinful world, but to live above sin. I don't have to give the devil control of my life. I don't have to sin a little every day. When we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. But I don't, this, the Holy Ghost in me gives me a nudge and says, don't go there. Don't act like that. Don't do that. 
here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to handle it. That is the wisdom of God speaking to us through the gift of his spirit. John chapter 17, my last scripture. Jesus is speaking here. He said, I've given them thy word. And the world hath hated them because they're not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. See, God didn't come to take you out of the world. Well, the Lord said, be separate. I'm going to separate myself into my closet at my house and not going out into the public. He said, nope, you've got to be in the world because that's the only way you can save the world and reach the world. So you have to live in the world. But when you're in the world, verse 18 said, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. In other words, there's a difference in being in the world, but not of the world. I still get up every day, go to restaurants, go to grocery stores, go to work, do what I need to do. I'm in the world, but the world doesn't hinder me because I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget being in Bolivia on a mission strip, and the missionary wanted to take us through the witches' market. Why? I have no idea. But he took us through a place called the witches' market, and when he walked us through the witches' market, those witches were there, and they had all sorts of, of things that they were, they had smoke going, and they were putting, looked like limbs and bushes in this, in this incense, and they were throwing it at us like this when we came by and they were speaking all sorts of things and moving their hands and waving things at us and making all sorts of motions and the kids were scared to death and they're all oh, oh, oh. and the missionary said they're trying to put a hex on you and the kids were all scared to death and I just grabbed all the kids together I said stop all your nonsense you have the power of the Holy Ghost within you they can't put a hex on you. They can't affect you. They can't touch you because the power of God in you is more powerful than the world around you. So we're not affected by the world we live in because we have the Holy Ghost within us. And so we live in this sinful world, but I live above sin because Christ in me. And when the trumpet sounds, it's Christ in me that is my hope of glory. It's my hope of the resurrection. It's the same Jesus, that the same God that raised Jesus from the dead is also going to quicken our mortal bodies because he now doesn't dwell in temples like we have built here, but he dwells within the heart of man. He lives in me, and he lives in you, or he can live in you. If you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidence for speaking with other tongues, you should receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Stand with me all over the room and thank God tonight for the revelation of the baptism of His Spirit. And if you've been filled with His Spirit tonight, you ought to praise Him with everything you got within you for the next couple of minutes and magnify the name of Jesus. Come on all over the room. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for pouring out your Spirit upon us. Thank you for the revelation of the baptism of your Spirit.